Mac Power Users, episode 583, The Obsidian Deep Dive. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am sitting here today, joined by my fellow Mac Power User, Mr. Stephen Hackett. How are you today, Stephen? I'm good, David. How are you? I am excellent, and I'm looking forward to this show. You know, we do all kinds of different shows on Mac Power User. Sometimes we take a, a wide topic and we go narrow, and sometimes we take a narrow topic and we go deep. Today we're going deep. And it was all kind of triggered when you started sending me screenshots of your Obsidian install, and I realized, ah, oh, Stephen is seeing the light. <laughs> well, we'll see if it goes that far. I am... Firmly in the experimental phase after hearing you and, and other people talk about it. So I thought it was a, a good time to talk about it on the show. You know, we've we've danced around this for a while, but there is this this wealth of personal knowledge management applications uh, on the Mac and elsewhere. And we had an episode a while back about Notion and and uh, Obsidian and Notion are very, very different, but I think people sort of lump them in the same category as these really big, powerful apps that can really help you organize your thoughts and keep track of a lot of little disparate bits of information. So yeah, I'm excited uh, getting into it too with you. Yeah, and and I've been really kind of working on this for about a year now, and I have tried a lot of different apps. We're going to talk about some of those as part of the show, uh, the other apps I use and, and didn't stick with. But I've been riding the Obsidian Horse pretty hard now for a while. So I actually have a lot of opinions and thoughts and power user tips for the app. So I thought that I've gone deep enough with this one that we could do a show like this. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's really a new way of doing notes, and I'd like to share the uh, the news with the the listeners. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do that. Uh, at, at the end of the show, just real quickly, we're going to be talking about WBDC. It is now April, and... Uh, Apple recently announced that it's going to be virtual again this year. I don't think to anyone's a great surprise, but we want to talk a little bit about things that we would uh, like to see or hope to see at the conference this year. Uh, as we record this, it's only, what, um, really about nine or ten weeks away? It's it's coming up, so we are, we are firmly in that season now of uh, <laughs> WBC being an ever-present thought. Yeah, and and the one thing I mean, this is this is going to be for the more power user subscribers. But one thing I want to tell everybody is, if you're thinking about buying a new Mac right now, I would strongly encourage you to wait nine weeks because I think we're going to know a lot more about what's coming once we have WWDC. I think so too. Anyway, <laughs> Obsidian, you know, so what is it? Um, it is at its most basic level a markdown file-based text editor. You know, uh, Obsidian is an application that opens markdown files and displays them for you. That's not all that new, right? There's a lot of apps out there that view and display markdown files. Um, yeah, <laughs> very common. <laughs> yeah, and um, but, but Obsidian kind of at a macro level, it l puts a tool set on top of those files that allows you to work with the files interchangeably and connect, you know, make connections between them that really there's no other markdown editor that really does that. And we're going to, you know, that's, that's the 
50,000-foot view, but we're going to get into the weeds here as we get through the show. But it's worth considering because it gives you these interesting tools that let you develop your thoughts and connect your information in ways you may have not been able to do before. But we're going to kind of like start at the at the basic level, you know, Mac Power User Style. Well, we start, you know, with the basics and ramp our way up through the episode. To begin with, uh, Obsidian you can get at obsidian.md. And, you know, MD for Markdown, right? Uh, yep. And it's a uh, it's free to use for a personal license. If you're just going to use it for yourself, you can download it and start using it today. It doesn't cost you anything. They do have ways to pay for it, which is good because we'd li- all like to see it continue in existence and development. They have a thing called a Catalyst subscription. I have one of these. It's $25. And it gets you on a list that lets you get the earlier test builds of the app. So as they add new features, you get them a you know, a week or two early, which is kind of fun, right? Being on the inside. Oh, yeah. They also have a commercial use license, which is $50 a year, and they have an explanation on their website what a commercial use is and whether you need it or not. And they have some additional add-on products. So we're going to talk about these through the show, but one is an end-to-end-based encrypted synchronization, so you can have them manage the sync for you. But you can also do it, as I'm going to explain later, with Dropbox or iCloud or whatever. But if you use their solution, it's $8 a month, but they have an introductory price of $4 a month, which if you get now is is locked in for a lifetime. And they have a similar product that lets you publish your Obsidian library to the internet. So you can put it on the web and make this connected database something that other people can see. And um, that's going to be $16 a month, but now it's $8 a month, again, with an introductory price if you want to get in. So there's a bunch of things you can do to give them money. Mm -hmm. But if you just want to start using it, and I would recommend people download and start using this app, you know, a personal license doesn't cost you anything. And one of the themes you'll hear me say throughout the day today is one of the things I love about Obsidian is at the end of the day, it's a folder full of markdown files. Okay. You know, it's not some weird proprietary database. It's the exact inverse of Evernote, you know, where Evernote <laughs> is this weird thing where it, it encrypts, well, it doesn't encrypt them, but it puts them into this weird web-friendly format, and it's harder than heck to get them out. Yep. In this case, you have a folder full of Markdown files. If you decide you don't like Obsidian and you stop using the app, you still have a folder full of Markdown files, yeah. which you can do anything you want with, you know? Yeah, and I really, I really, really like that approach. For a long, long time, I would use NVAlt on the Mac, and then I cycled through a series of Markdown text editors on iOS, uh, primarily the iPhone. And you know, those have come and gone over the years, and there's an NVAlt replacement coming from uh, from Terpstra at some point. But the the beauty of that system is, it is just text files, right? So even though I really like Obsidian's business model of, hey, we're going to start offering paid features as we're building it, and the team is two people, and they, we're going to talk about this, are incredibly dedicated to it, which I, I really like. But if something happens to them or your needs change, you do just have a folder full of markdown documents at the end of the day. And so if something happens to Obsidian, your content is safe. It's portable. It's also really lightweight. You know, a folder of, you know, even thousands of text documents is very small. And it makes it really easy to back up and move around and say that you want to open one in some other text editor. You can do that because it's all based on the file system, based on Markdown. 
And there's something very attractive about that to me, as opposed to, say, using Apple Notes, where most of my stuff is now, which is in this kind of weird database thing, right? And I can export them kind of, and, you know, it's 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 nice because you have a bunch of formatting and stuff, but at the end of the day, that is sort of locked into an ecosystem that may not always be there, where I'm telling you, at the end of time, plain text will still work. Yeah, I mean, your your grandchildren's grandchildren will be able to read your Obsidian Markdown files. Yeah, they will know what settings I use in Logic for certain things, and they'll think, man, my great-granddad was... <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, that with that old uh, Model A version of sound <laughs> devices. That's right. Yeah, he had to sync with a keyboard and mouse. Is it a baby's toy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, what, where's the neural connection? That's I don't right. get it. <laughs> it's like the episode of Star Trek where Scotty picks up the mouse and talks into it. That's, that's right. That's what they're going to look back. But yeah, I, I like. I'm, I've always been a big fan of of you know text files, and that's what Obsidian works on. In fact. When you open Obsidian the very first time, it will say, it'll prompt you to open an existing vault or create a new vault. And in Obsidian parlance, vault is a very fancy word for folder full of text files. I mean, that's all it is. So if you've got an existing folder of text files, maybe you came off NVALT, you can just point it at that and you're rolling. And you have all of your text files, but you just have the Obsidian tool set laid over the top of them. Yeah, that, that, that's right. They are leaving Markdown itself basically intact. They were just adding things sort of the, in the at the application layer above it. And so that means, say, you move away from Obsidian at some point. Yeah, you, you may have some like tags and stuff in your Markdown documents, but you're not stuck with these really, like these things you can't manipulate later. Yeah. And, and that's the way, I mean, again, talking about what we talked about a second ago. Like that's what's attractive about this to me is that it is just markdown at the root of it. Yeah. And Obsidian uses proper markdown. We just did an episode of markdown. I think was it last year? Yeah. Yeah. And it uses proper markdown. Like one of the tools I tried out on this kind of PKM vision quest was Rome and Rome uses a, a unique installation of markdown. And so it was frustrating for me because it wasn't just traditional markdown i had to change some of my syntax and mm-hmm. one of the things i like about obsidian is they just got on board with the existing they didn't try and re you know recreate the wheel with it yeah um although when you open a vault one of the nice things of, that obsidian has is it, it recognizes folders in the vault and they'll appear you have like a sidebar like a traditional mac app so if you point it at a vault or a folder, all of the text files or markdown files at the root level of that folder show up in that sidebar, but so do folders. And in the community of Obsidian users, um, there are people who are very anti-folder and people who don't care and embrace folders. I'm in that second category. I use folders because I have so much stuff in my Obsidian library. Um, putting it all at one level would make me nuts. So yeah. I have a little bit of organization. One thing I, I should point out, however, in addition to um, having this basic text file system, I'm also a big fan of the Obsidian community. And there's a big overlap between the Obsidian community and the Mac Power Users community. Like, you know, Ryan Murphy, who is um, active on the Mac Power Users forums, is also, you know, very active on the Obsidian forums. And he's like made plugins for it. And 
when I went over and joined the Obsidian forums, I got a bunch of notes from MPU listeners. They're like, hey, great to have you here, you know. And it's just a very welcoming and supportive community that, um, like MPU, just people trying to get better at this stuff. And it felt really good to me, you know, like, because I spent time with Rome. And in Rome research, they call it the Rome cult. And it just feels very intense to me, you know. I don't yeah. know how else to put it. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas the uh, and I don't I don't hold that against anybody. I mean, if you're a big Rome fan, go for it. I'm all for it. And, you, know, you know, whatever works for you. But the um, but just I felt like the community aspect of Obsidian felt a little more supportive and not you know, not as arrogant as the other one. <laughs> but either way, so there's a lot of support for you in this app. If you go to Obsidian.md, they've got a link to the the forums there. But you, so you start putting folders together and then, you know, we talked about this is something that lays over the top of your folders and it's just your collection of markdown folders. But, you know, there is a look to Obsidian and it is, you know, an Electron app, you know, and we're going to talk about some, some of the reasons that's bad later. But as a result, it doesn't look like a traditional Mac app. It does not. Um it's got, I mean, it's got standard window controls, but that's a that's about it. Uh, once you're in its window, it feels very webby. You know, it feels you know like a a web thing in a in a wrapper. Um, now it's not. I mean, it's running locally. The files are local, but it has that feel. And you know, I don't want to judge that they have an a private iOS beta. I don't want to judge that too harshly because it's in beta, but it feels even more out of place than the Mac app. But, you know, I think with with Electron apps, I'm willing to forgive the use of technology if they do a good job within the constraints of it. You know, like Slack, yeah, it's not super Mac-like, but it's it's a good job at being Slack. And I, I think the same thing for me applies to Obsidian, that, yeah, it's unlike any other app on my Mac, but within its world, it's consistent and laid out pretty nicely. Yeah, in fact, let's just take a minute and talk about this Electron app problem. Because I think for a lot of people, that's where they immediately put the brakes on and say, I'm not interested. Yeah. And I get that. You know, the, historically, that is my opinion. Like, as soon as I hear the word Electron, it's like, nope, delete. Let's find the native app, you know. And um, that's the reason why my initial run at Obsidian wasn't successful. Like I opened the settings and it looked like a web page, and I'm like, oh, I'm not, this is not for me. And I was out of it before I even really tried it. However, um, you know, it, Electron apps are are more resource hungry. Um, there's things that just don't work in Electron apps, like text services often don't work, like the built-in dictation stuff. If you hit the microphone button to dictate into Obsidian, which I do all the time doesn't work you know because it's not a native app it doesn't support that the menu bar is empty but all of that being said the developers and i understand why they did the reason they made an electron app i'm sure is so they could have multi-platform more customers and have a better chance of making the app you know float and and keep going but they also are clearly mac users because they've done a lot of work to make it work like a mac app you know command comma opens the preferences you know all the a lot of the things you do on mac apps that you historically do with you know native mac apps just works in obsidian have you gone down far down the um you know the uh, keyboard shortcut hole on the on obsidian yet uh yeah i mean it is 
the the Mac like ones work the way you expect, and also like good Mac apps, you can customize the hotkeys. So like I'm looking in the hotkeys options pane right now and say export to PDF is blank. There's not one set, but I can customize it just like I can in system preferences, you know, where you can kind of create your own shortcuts yeah. anywhere. So yeah. Yeah. Even if it's not like super Mac like they've adopted Mac idiom stuff where they can. Um, in fact, I just instinctually the other day was putting something in and I wanted to make some text, a URL and on, and like Mac Cocoa apps, that's command K. So you have text selected, hit command K, you can add a URL and I did it and it just worked. And that was sort yeah. of the moment for me of like, oh, okay, they do care about the platform they're on. And that means the background stuff isn't quite as important to me. Yeah. And occasionally they do crash into like a traditional Mac shortcut with something they're doing. And then they update it next week and they fix it. I mean, that's happened a few times through the development cycle. I mean, there are a lot of passionate Mac users using the app and the developers are hearing them. Yep. So um, what I'd say is I, I hear you if you're anti-Electron app, but I would encourage you to give this app a try anyway because I think this is one of the exceptions that is worth checking out. And it doesn't act and you know behave exactly like a Mac app, but there's a lot of things about it that are nice. It's got an... A, a nice render engine for the look of the app where you can customize it with font size, colors, you know, and all of that. And there's a community of people that have built already something like 20 different themes for Obsidian. So, and it's built right into the app settings. So you can go look through a library of different, you know, Obsidian themes and, and pick one that works for you. So it, it's nice look to look at, you know, they've got dark themes, light themes, colorful themes, monochrome themes. So whatever your kind of interest is, the way you want the app to look, you have a lot of control over that. Yeah, there, there are quite a few and it's just CSS. So like if you want to take one and tinker with it, that's part of the beauty of this is that you can just make your own theme that works for you if you want. What theme are you using, Stephen? Uh, I'm using one called Gitsidian, which makes it okay. sort of look GitHub-ish, kind of. Um, I like that one. And then I also like one called Adam, which I think is meant to, uh, be reminiscent of the Adam text editor. Yeah. I've, I've got several, I really like the minimal theme. You know, I just like a simple theme, but, um, there's others that I've, I've been using. Spectrum is a really interesting one because it's monochrome and, but it's got color. I'm sorry, not monochrome. It is, um, it is fixed with text, you know, like a courier font, mm -hmm. but it's got a lot of colors on it, which is nice when you're doing your markdown headings. I think that one's kind of nice. And um, th there's just a lot you can do and, you know, download them and check them out. Um, the uh, And they're always adding new ones. Like some people like there's what there's an 80s like neon theme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate that so much. But, you know. Yeah. The, the 80s neon theme is wild. Uh, Panic's new text editor uh, which is called Nova has a similar theme and like, it looks great in screenshots. It made my eyes vibrate, but it could be for you. That's the beauty of it. It could be for you. Yeah. Ethan Schoonover years ago made the solarized themes and they've got a solarized theme, but then they've also got like a Christmas theme, green and red. And I'm like, who on earth would install this into there? I don't know, man. Uh, so, so there is some bad taste ones and there's some excellent taste ones, but the, the beauty is you can figure it out. And I find that I switch them up, you know, 
uh, but largely I go through minimal and spectrum a lot, but they, they have a big sir theme related one, you know? So whatever your, um, your preference is, you can make it look how you want, which is nice. This episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by one password. Head over to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps to get 20% off your account. 1Password is the place to go to protect yourself on the internet. There are so many bad guys out there trying to break into your data. You need professional tools at your back protecting your security. And 1Password is just that. It gives you strong and unique passwords that you can access with your 1Password. But there's so much more to 1Password. Something I'd like to talk about today with 1Password is the ability to store documents in 1Password. With 1Password, your logins and private documents are securely stored in your password vault. This keeps your information locked away from thieves, hackers, and other unsavory types, but makes everything available to you. My house is just close enough to the hills of Southern California that when the wildfires come through, often I get evacuated. Last year, it happened two times. One of the things I've done with 1Password is I've stored all of my key documents in my 1Password vault. That way, if the worst happened and my house burned down, I would have all of my documents, my deed, my insurance information, all of that stored in my secure vault at 1Password. So no matter where I am in the world, I've got access to those documents in my 1Password vault. So 1Password doesn't just protect my security with logins, it also protects me with all my key documents. I've also used that secure vault to store pictures of my credit cards. So if I'm somewhere and I lose my wallet, I can pull up images of those credit cards, make sure I've got all the right phone numbers to call, all the right digits to give them over the phone to make sure they get shut down immediately. With the secure vault, it just gives you so much ability to have your most important documents with you wherever you go. And since 1Password is multi-platform, it supports all the Apple devices, uh, Mac, iPad, and iPhone, but it's also over on iPhone and Android. Uh, you can access that data anywhere. They even have a web portal that you can get to it. So uh, you name it, I've got it in my 1Password vault, medical documents, financial documents. I feel completely safe putting them there because it's in that secure storage, but I've also got the convenience of having them if the worst happens. So that's just one more thing you can do with 1Password. To learn more, head over to onepassword.com slash MPU. Put that in all caps, you get that 20% off and start protecting yourself, not only your logins on the internet, but all of your key documents as well. Thank you, 1Password, for all of your support of the Mac Power users. So there's a couple built-in features that I'd like to mention before we get into it. Um, uh, one of them is the daily note, and that's something you turn on in the preferences. And a lot of these personal knowledge management apps have this idea of a note that shows up every day and you can log things in it. And this is going to relate to backlinking, which I'm going to talk to you about later in the show. But um, if you want to have like a daily log of the things you've done, some people use it as a kind of a form of a diary that's there and there's a button you press it every day. It creates a new one. You can even template it. So it shows up with all the prompts that you want every day. Um, yeah. Very easy process. Yeah, it's, have you, have it's you cool. used that at all? Uh, yeah, I've been playing with that because I do that in day one, and I have a bunch of different ways I can do that. I have a text expander. I can do it through Keyboard Maestro. I mean, and so having 
having it built into an app is always interesting. And I think having it part of something like this, where you are building this large uh, database, if you will, of, of information is, is pretty handy. Uh, I think if Obsidian sticks with me, I may move that out of day one into this. Yeah, I, for me, I, I'm not sure I want to use Obsidian like as my personal thoughts journal, but it's excellent for what I use it for as a log. You know, on this day, I talked to Stephen about show planning, or I talked to you know Adina about illustrations, or I talked to so and so about this. And on the legal practice, it's really helpful. And then using backlinks, I can go back and trace all that stuff to the projects. And um, so the the penny will drop on this one later in the show when I explain backlinks. Another nice feature that it's got built in that I think is very useful is it's got a whole templating system. And um, think, you know, it's kind of like text expander, but it's custom just to Obsidian. And there's different kinds of notes that you create. So you'll want to have different templates. Like if I'm making a blog post, I have a blog template. And one of the things it can do is it can grab the name of the note and insert it into the template text. And then I have like instructions that go into Basecamp to the person that helps me get them posted. So that gets put in automatically. The tag list, the image list, all that stuff gets indexed in there and tags get added. So then, and I even have a section in there for research if I'm working on an extended blog post that I have research notes on. So whenever I write a new blog post, I can I can do that. And because Obsidian has customizable shortcuts, I have mapped it to Command T. So if I create a new blog post markdown file, I just hit Command T and then type blog and enter, and it inserts the whole template for me. That's cool. Yeah, I, I do it a lot of templating. Like if I get a new cl- legal client, I've got a template for that, which sets up everything. One of the things I've been doing lately with clients is when I take a new client on, I force myself to ask a questionnaire, you know, like, is this person a reliable human? Are they going to pay their bill? Will they listen to me? And I force myself literally to ask each question before I take them on as a new client. So all that stuff is templated in now. Uh, client projects, same way. I mean, I just have templates for everything. If I if I have a, a phone call related to a legal transaction, I have a template to record it. And so I've, I've built up probably about 30 or 40 of these templates as I've been using Obsidian, and they're all triggered by Command-T. So it makes it very easy to create new entries. And that's one of the things about Obsidian that really stands out for me is the creation process of new files is is remarkable. I mean, uh, Rome works the same way, except instead of a file, it's a web page. And the first time it hit me that I was just creating these all these web pages just by setting up links, it was kind of mind blowing. And, and Obsidian has the same impact. One feature that I I really like, and I think a lot of people who are maybe newer to Markdown will like is that it has built-in previewing. So I've used Markdown long enough where I can scan it and I know how it's going to render just because I've I've used it for, you know, whatever it is, 10 or 15 years. But if you have something more complex or you want to make sure that uh, what's going on, it does have a preview render tool built in and you can see how it would render, including with any images, which I want to talk to you about, about using images in a text editor because Obsidian has a neat way to deal with that. But it can give you that confidence that your document you're working on is going to look the way you want it to look. And you can print the preview or save it as a PDF all uh, right from within the app. Yeah. And the um, 
it's a toggle. It, it's not a live preview like some apps, like you write in Markdown and it immediately converts it to preview mode. With uh, with Obsidian, it's a toggle. And on their development map, they're talking about trying to turn that into a live preview at some point. Yeah, I think it'd be nice if it was. Yeah, it's Command-E is the trick. If you hit Command-E, it toggles between preview and markdown mode. So you can always see you know, what it's looking like as you're working on it. Another nice thing is you can copy text out of the preview, and it copies out as rich text. So like... If you're like me and I use Squarespace for my blogging platform, but I actually save the the rich text to a Basecamp note because I have a person who edits and helps me get them posted, and I want I don't want to put them in as Markdown. I put them in as rich text in there, and all I have to do is select the text in in my Markdown editor, but it actually gets it out as rich text with a very simple selection. Nice. We kind of talked about this earlier, but it's a small development team, but they are just like working like lightning fast on this thing. It seems to get updates, you know, a couple updates a week. And these aren't just like bug fixes. It's like new features getting added in. And they've got on their website a a Trello board where they're showing their list of features and where they stand on each one of them. So you can watch the features go from idea to implementation on the Trello board. And then you see them show up in the builds. And um, these these folks are not messing around. No, they're not. I'm hard pressed to think about a another application that's relatively young that has this aggressive of a update schedule and one that is also so open. Like you said, you can just go see what they're working on. And, you know, a lot of developers, rightfully so, play that close to the chest. But this team has decided uh, not to do that. And I think the product and community is better for it. Well, there's definitely a lot of interaction on the boards because as people see features starting to go in development, then threads will open in the boards about, you know, what would we like to see from this? I mean, when I first started using it, um, there was no way to get a URL link for an Obsidian file out of Obsidian, or no easy way to. So I wrote a very complicated um a keyboard maestro script that I would run that would pull out the URL because, you know, contextual computing, I want everything to link. And, um, and then I put that up on the board and then like three weeks later, the developers just added a feature copy URL, you know? And then all I had to do then was go into the keyboard shortcuts menu and attach a shortcut. So now if I just hit command U, I can copy the URL of any note in obsidian. And that's very useful to me because like I will, if I'm working on a client project, I copy the URL out of Obsidian and I put it in the notes field of the OmniFocus uh, related project. Cause you know, I have, I manage tasks in OmniFocus and I just kind of keep all the information on the project in a, in a markdown note in Obsidian. And with those links, I can go both directions. I can put the OmniFocus link in, um, in Obsidian. I can put the Obsidian link in OmniFocus and it, it's almost like it's a single app when you're done with that. The, uh, there's a couple features in here, if you're trying this out, that I want you to keep in mind. The first is the search. The search is very powerful. I don't know if you've stumbled across this yet, Stephen. Uh, are you familiar with the Command-O trick? Yeah. So I, I think of this as open as opposed to search, but uh, it brings up a panel that looks very similar to Slack or Discord. They're, they're, uh, and those applications have these tools to basically jump to a different channel. And you can start typing. And uh, for instance, if I start typing uh, the word tax, 
it comes down to the the four notes that have tax in their title. Or uh, if I wanted to create a new note with that name, say that I search for something and I don't have a note that corresponds to that, uh, I can just do shift return and it will create uh, a new note with that name for me uh, and I can I can be off to the races. So it's like part search, part note launcher, part note creation. It has a quicksilver feel to me. It does. If, you're, if you've been around long enough, you know, it's just very fast and it gets you to anywhere you want. And if you hit command, if you hold on the command key and you click on the search result, it opens it up in a new pane. You can old, you can open multiple notes in Obsidian. You don't have to just have one at a time. Um, and the so Commando is is key, and the other one is Command P, and that one gets you a list of all the the commands available. I think they call it Command Mode, the Command Palette. That's what they call it. So P is for Palette, but all the commands you can do in the app are available there, so you don't have to go digging in the preferences. Uh, if you just use O and P you can largely run the app. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to kind of cover as we're getting through the basics is syncing. Um, Obsidian is primarily a Mac app, but we'll talk about the mobile app in just a second. But uh, you can sync it between multiple Macs. It's just a list of markdown files. you know. So you can do that any way you want. You can put it in Dropbox or, or iCloud, and then you just point Obsidian at that as your vault. So whether you store your data on a local drive or on a cloud drive, it still works the same way. You know, Obsidian is like an engine on top of a folder of markdown files. So a lot of people are syncing via iCloud or Dropbox. You know, you just put your files there, then you go to your second Mac and you point it at the same vault and you're good to go. Um, the way I sync is I actually pay for their end-to-end -end encryption model because I'm putting some legal-related stuff in there and I just don't want it to be compromised. So I, I use their synchronization engine with my password um, so nobody can see it except the people at the end of the chain, which is my Mac, you know. And mm -hmm. um, and it's it's excellent. I've not had any problems with it. It's also got a restore and a versioning system, so I can go back and get the version I was working on yesterday if I want to go backwards. And uh, it's an easy spend of 4 bucks a month for me. Yeah, and we should say that that is just their sync engine. They're still stored as markdown documents on your local disk. Yeah. So in fact, the way I do it, I'd explain this to somebody. I don't store it in iCloud or Dropbox. I put it just in my, my home folder mm -hmm. and those are not synced. And, but they still go through all my backups. You know, they get into all my backups and everything. And my computer is encrypted so nobody can get to them. And, but the synchronization process is fully encrypted. So from the moment it leaves my Mac to the, point it lands at another Mac, everything's encrypted. So there's a sync solution. And then there's this upcoming mobile app. And the mobile app's in beta right now. Um, I guess you have access to it, Stephen, right? I do. Yep. I've been yeah. playing with it uh, on the phone and iPad both. Yeah, me too. Uh, and when they first talked about the mobile app, they said, this is going to be something that really isn't fully featured. It's mainly for capture. And I don't know how they did it, but they basically built Obsidian with all of its electron glory <laughs> into an iPhone app and an iPad app. I, I spent the whole day yesterday working in Obsidian on my iPad, and it works almost exactly like it does on the Mac. I mean, there's a few things. It's still rough spots. It's in beta. But it, it doesn't, just like the Mac app 
doesn't look like a Mac app. This doesn't look like an iPhone or an iPad app, but no, it still it, has all of the same features. Yeah, it's it's a bit unusual. And uh, I think especially on the iPhone, it jumps out to me as being kind of out of place. It all works. It's not the way you would design an iPhone app from the ground up, though. Yeah, and and we're going to talk about, you know, if your primary platform is mobile versus Mac, I think that may affect your choices on which of these types of apps you want. But uh, it works fine. I mean, the, the beauty, though, is it does fully work. Like, one of the things I do is um, I do planning and review in Obsidian, where I, I make a, a markdown file each month and each quarter talking about what I, you know, where I won and where I failed the last, you know, time period, what I want to do in the upcoming period. So I did all my quarterly planning as we hit April uh, on Obsidian on my my iPad, and it linked and did all the features. I mean, it even supports all of the custom, um, you know, formatting. It, in, it, it, it supports the third-party plugins that we're going to talk about. I can use the theme that I want. So it is really you know, very similar to using it on the Mac, which makes me really happy because I, I do want the ability to access and use this data on mobile platforms. And I feel like they they under-promised and over-delivered, even though this app hasn't released yet. But it does not look like a traditional um, iOS app, that's for sure. And I don't know when they're going to release it. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think all they've said that it's just <laughs> in beta. So I, I don't know what their time schedule is. Is the type of work you're doing in Obsidian, I mean, is it something that the iPhone app or the iPad app are critical to? Um, it's useful on the, it's more useful to me on the iPad than it is on the phone. Although the phone is useful for reference because I keep, like if I'm working on a legal thing, I keep notes of all the key people and the key elements of it. And, and I'll talk more about this as we get deeper in the show. But um, if I'm out and away from my devices, which is pretty rare these days, um, I can access the data still on my phone, which is very nice. Like if a client calls me and I'm not in front of a computer, I can still find it. I can still tell them, you know, when when was the last date I spoke with the other lawyer and where do we stand? Because all that's stored in Obsidian for me. Got it. Okay. Another uh, feature that Obsidian brought in through its development that has just increased in value is tagging. So they've got a full, you know, tagging foundation in it. It's it's a it's the pound sign with a tag after it. And once you put that in, and you can put that anywhere in your note, you can even put it at the top of the note. They have a, a method where you can kind of hide it at the top of the note. But um, you can fully tag your notes, with the, which then gives you increased tools with searching. Um, they've got a tag view where you can just say, show me all the items with a certain tag, or you can say, show me the items with these two tags or this tag, but not that tag. It's a pretty um, impressive little search system they built around tagging. So you said that you're using folders to organize your stuff. That's how I work as well. Big believer in folders and subfolders. Um, so after the break, I want to talk about the the linking, because I don't think I'm clear between like I tag a bunch of stuff all the same and search for it versus when you would link. So let's take a break and then get into sort of the meat of that. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Privacy.com. Privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial life online while keeping your most important information secure. By generating virtual numbers, privacy masks your bank information 
so you never have to worry about giving it out to people you don't know online. We've all been shopping on websites that don't give us that good fuzzy feeling that we want when we were checking out. And privacy.com makes this a no-brainer because you don't have to hand over your car details to unknown websites, to unknown people. You create this virtual number and your data is safe. So take back control of your payments. Decide who can charge your card, how much, and how often. And you can close cards at any time. Plus, you can make sure they're never accidentally billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. What's cool is Privacy has partnered with the good folks, our friends, over at 1Password. You can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within 1Password, and all virtual cards created there have the same security benefits as other Privacy.com cards. You can set spending limits, create single-use or merchant lock cards whenever and wherever you want. So head on over to privacy.com slash MPU to sign up for an account. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on their first purchase. So go to privacy.com slash MPU to sign up. Our thanks to Privacy for their support of the show. All right. I think one of the the most important takeaways from the show really is an appreciation for the linking that you can do between your markdown files with Obsidian. This is a feature that is not in every Markdown editor I've ever seen, and it's it's really useful. Um, so the way it works is you can draw a line between any two notes in your Obsidian library or your vault, and it goes two directions, what they call bidirectional linking. Now, to do this, all you do is use double brackets, just like a wiki you know, entry in a Wikipedia document. So... If I were to say, like in my daily note and say, I had a call with Stephen Hackett, I would type open double brackets, Stephen Hackett, close double brackets. And now I've created a link to a separate markdown note about Stephen Hackett. That's that's all there is to linking, except there's a whole bunch of ramifications of that. Okay, first of all is if I don't have a page called Stephen Hackett, because I've never done that before, I just create this link for the first time then Stephen Hackett just exists in there as a link. It's not a, a page. But as soon as I click on Stephen Hackett, it creates a markdown page that's titled Stephen Hackett, right? Okay. Now, um, you want to do that, by the way, in preview mode, because in preview mode, all your links are hot. So that that's what you hit Command-A and then click on Stephen Hackett. It opens the page. So now I've created a separate page in my library that is just dedicated to Stephen Hackett. Now. Because I've linked to that page, now anytime I write the word Stephen Hackett in double brackets, I can jump to that page again. And with people, one of the things I do, you know, as I have a little CRM system, I have a template with CRM, like how do you pronounce their name? What did I meet them through? What are their special, you know, what's their specialty? Like for lawyers, they always have some sort of specialty. Uh, You know, what's their kids' names or, you know, whatever it is. I keep little notes on the person. But then, because I've linked to Stephen Hackett, I can also link back from Stephen Hackett. So once I go to the Stephen Hackett page, there is on the right side of the screen a a tab that has what they call backlinks. And backlinks say, give me a list of all the pages that point at this page. Okay, 
This is different. You know, historically, when you create a link, it's one direction. You click a link and it jumps to that page, but it doesn't jump back. And by tracking all the backlinks, you suddenly have a ton of power. So I can, when I hit my Stephen Hackett page and hit backlinks, I can see individual daily entries where I logged Stephen Hackett's name as somebody I talked to. I can see projects that I've worked on with that have Stephen Hackett's name available to, you know, affiliated with them. And it just gives you this way to find data connections that you may not have seen before. Did I explain that okay? Yeah, I, I think so. So is this, it sounds like in the beginning, like when you, you're starting out, this is a, a manual process. You need to pick, you know, what what word or what term, what name is sort of at the the central hub for all these other connected notes. Yeah. You just create them manually and as you need them. And I, one of the bits of advice is don't go crazy with these links. You don't need to link, you know, every time you use the word banana. But <laughs> but you may want to link the, every time you use the name of a person or or a project or an object. I mean, there, I've got some categories here I'll go through in a minute that I think are good candidates for links. But the big piece of this is, you can create these pages on the fly as you're working through your day. And once you create the link, then it autofills the link, which is another hugely useful feature. So the first time I did Stephen Hackett in double brackets, I had to write your whole name. The second time I just hit double bracket ST and it autofills. It says, oh, you want Stephen Hackett? You already have a link for him. I hit the enter key and it puts your whole name in as a proper link. And that way you never mix the links. You know, like the big problem when you make links is what if you capitalize it one time and not the other time? Or, you, you know, because it autofills for you, it's kind of like code um, autofill that they do in Xcode, where it always gets it right because it's autofilling for you. And it's constantly creating this list of these links. So if you've got like um, a big project you're working, like I have a field guide I'm working on right now that I haven't, I haven't talked about publicly yet, but it's got a distinct name. If I type that name, I can create the link to that field guide. And then once I've done that, then I can jump to the page on the field guide and see the days I worked on it or the people that are affiliated with it. And, you know, the backlinks just start jumping all over the place. And it's it's hugely powerful. And I'm talking about this in terms of like practical project tracking mm -hmm. but another way you use this is idea and thought development you know um you know i uh, uh you know I, I read a lot of um the philosophy but i also study buddhism and different things and i find it interesting sometimes to tie concepts together and just see where my brain sees connections with these things and i don't want to go too far into this it gets very hippie very quickly but mm -hmm. you know if you're a student or if you're someone who just likes to learn and read things um capturing concepts as links allows you then to get back to it you know i just uh, a more practical example i just read the new uh, cal newport book about email and there were a bunch of concepts in the book that i created as pages but then I've also linked other things to those pages because they're similar concepts. And it's fun for me to go on a, on a page about Kanban boards and see all the resources I've read over the years. Sometimes they're like Readwise blog posts. Sometimes they're books that point to the same concept and then see how it all ties together. It really opens up ideas for your brain. And I, I guess the benefit of the the linking and doing that yourself is that you can create those connections that maybe something even like search couldn't provide you. Yeah. 
Well, just, uh, I mean, and as you feed more data into it, you know, it, it is, I mean, I don't like to use the term, like, what they call off-site brain or the, like second brain. Yeah, a bunch of people brain, that, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. I, I I don't really think of it that way. I just think of it a way as kind of allowing me to track a lot of information. Human brains are not good at storing details. They're better at analyzing, right? So why not use something like this to kind of keep all of that for you and give you a quick way to get to it? Another nice advantage of these links is because it creates a page and the link is is saved into the system, you can change it later. Like maybe you write a concept down that later you change your mind. It means something different. You change the name of the concept and it repopulates throughout your library. Or even more, let's say I write Stephen Hackett with one T at the end. I'm like, oh man, I misspelled Stephen's name in his note. So I go and I add the second T and all of the pages that have Stephen Hackett link on it will get updated automatically and have the corrected name. So it's just very nice to be able to have something that that does all that work for you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And this is where Obsidian being smart about layering things on top of Markdown is so clever, right? Because this is just text. It's just brackets and text, but they then link the notes in the application. But if you just go look at the text document, okay, you just have my name and some brackets, right? It's nothing destructive. It's nothing that it has like messed up your text document. It's all... It's all on top of that. And again, like that's sort of the beauty of it. Yeah. I mean, and it's really powerful um, because as you build the links out, then the search engine gets more powerful. So like as an example, I have kept a note about most legal transactions I've worked on in like the last 20 years. I wasn't smart enough to do it at the beginning of my career, but I, I was working on a new deal for a client and the lawyer called from the other side and the name sounded really familiar with, to me and I couldn't place it, but I just put it into obsidian and it found his name in a note that I had written many years ago on a different client and a different transaction. And, and I was able to review that transaction to see if this guy was a straight shooter or not. And, and he was, uh, but it just kind of allows me to kind of take advantage of my existing data. And you can do that through links, but also Obsidian has a powerful search. Even if you don't have it double bracketed, I could have found his name. But because it was linked, now I can go to his page and see the backlinks, and I see that linking to two different transactions 15 years apart. So what do you link? Um, I think, you know, the first thing is, you know, nouns are great links. You know, people, companies, you know, Stephen Hackett or Apple, I have them for um all my clients, you know, I have a link for all my clients. So I can just type in the link and see every note that's attached to them or the individual behind it. I have one for my dog. And then I can see like when I want to get the information for the vet or the trainer or whatever, I can go, you know, trace that out. Another thing that's good for links is objects. Um, you may have something that you need to keep notes on. Steven talked earlier about logic settings. Mm -hmm. Like I would have a link to logic. And then anything that you write that involves using logic, you've got backlinks to all those notes, you know? Uh, you know, listening to, to you speak and, and having played with Obsidian myself a good bit over the last couple of weeks, one thing that I think it changes for me in terms of note-taking and this information I want to save is that I'm no longer – you're no longer punished for having a bunch of short notes, right? Like some systems yeah. in the district lounge search, like – I may have one note for like all of my various logic things that I just want to make sure I, re I remember over time where yeah. 
in Obsidian, you could break those down into individual things and not be punished for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so long as you have links for them, you can, you can jump between them. Um, and we haven't even talked about the graph yet, that which gives you a whole nother way to get to that. Um, another good source for links is places, you know, um, um, I have a link for my office. I have one for Disneyland, you know, even though I haven't been there in a long time, <laughs> but eventually I will. Another thing uh, separate from nouns is the, uh, is ideas. I think ideas are good. Is an idea a noun? That's a good question. You're the journalism major. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Well then that's a noun too. But the, um, you know, ideas like I have them for, I have one for Mac power users and like, cause I do a lot of Mac power users planning in Obsidian and I can just hit the link, the, uh, the page for Mac power users and it links to all of it. I've got one for, for mindfulness. That's kind of one of my heady research ideas. And I've got one for civil code 3426, which is the California trade secret law. So I've got an easy way to get to all my notes involving that. So, you know, you can, you, you can put this to work in a lot of different ways. Um, but, you know, as you build these these links, your library starts talking to itself in very interesting ways. Yeah, so I, I, I want to talk about the the graph view here because it's one thing to, I think, talk about you're linking all these tech, tech documents together and using the brackets and everything. But the graph view lets you actually see the relationship. Yeah, they, they've done a really – this is one of the things Obsidian has excelled at in comparison to other – apps of this of this ilk is they have a very powerful graphing function and it builds a graph of the ideas and you can look at the whole library the whole vault if you want but more useful frankly is to drill in on an idea like um my trade secret log no if i open that up and then i click the graph view i see all the notes connected to it which may point at cases i've worked on which may point at other sections of the civil code or cases that I've, I've recorded. And it just gives me a, a, um, a visual way to navigate between all of these thoughts and ideas. And you really have to play with it and you have to build out your library a little bit before you can really get the benefit of it. But they've added so much customization to this. Like you can apply tags to the graph view. So say, okay, show me all of the cases that I've worked on that involve this trade secret law now show me all those that have been marked as active. So I only see the active cases I'm working on in the graph. It's just, I mean, we could, you know, I was thinking about this. I could do a, a very long screencast just on how many ways you can use the graph view. A podcast really isn't the best way to explain it. <laughs> yeah. But if you if you download the app very quickly, you just hit the graph button, you'll see. You, it becomes obvious, the utility, you know. Yeah. And like I said, you can customize what shows up there. So you could have it, you know, by having attachments uh, showing or not showing, which I still want to talk about. Um, you can have it where it shows or doesn't show orphans or files that don't have links to other files. It is really powerful. And I can see I don't have enough in here, I think, for me to quite take advantage of it yet. But I can see when you do have a really large collection of things, not only can it help you find things, uh, that are connected. It can maybe even clue your brain into things that would need to go. You would need to go in and link together because you kind of see it in this really unique visual way. Yeah, I mean, using these linking and tagging tools, you really create, in essence, of a um, a relational database. 
um, in addition to a collection of markdown files. Like I got an email from an attorney who's using this now for litigation planning, you know, with the in-date encryption. He's happy and he's got a vault for his case and he tracks witnesses and documents and issues and everything ties together very nicely. Like I could see you using this in a way if you wanted to track your Mac collection, you could probably do something pretty interesting uh, with Obsidian. But a lot of people are using it, you know, that way. Mm -hmm. But the the cool thing is you don't need to. You know, it's still just a powerful way to link your your Markdown files together. You don't have to go all the way down the, the <laughs> well on this. Yeah. Uh, because we've mentioned it a few times, can, let's talk for a second about the ability to have uh, embedded images and other and other things besides just plain text for yeah. for a long time i've used apple notes because a lot of my notes have combined text and images right so back to the example i keep using of settings and logic a lot of those have text and then maybe a screenshot of like hey this is what this should look like if uh if you've done it correctly and in obsidian you can set up a folder for assets to go into. And if you go into Finder, wherever you've set your vault up, there'll be a, a folder there with that name on it. And you can either drag images into the folder or into Obsidian itself, and they become objects that you can link to. And you can also embed them with Markdown. So when you're in that preview mode we talked about, you see the images in line, uh, you know, where you would where you would want them. So it's it's a little bit different from notes in the sense that it's not kind of all on the same level playing field, but you can still totally do it. And in preview mode, still get the sort of text image, text image layout that you may want. Yeah. It's a powerful feature and it goes deeper than that. I mean, you can put a Microsoft word document in there and you can put a pages document and you can, you can actually put working files into the vault that way. Um, I don't do that though. Uh, the way I use it is kind of how Steven described. If I need like a quick screenshot to explain a note, like I have a, um, a transaction I'm working on for a client and we've made an omnigraph for it, you know, about how it's all going to tie together. I'll put a PDF of that in the vault. So I just got it there to, to reference, but for like real heavy lifting with attachments, I do all of that in dev and think, and then I just link it to the library. And we'll talk about that later in the show, but because everything is URL-based, um, Obsidian is a very much a team player if you want to use kind of best-in-class apps to solve different problems. So I actually don't go all the way down the rabbit hole on attachments in Obsidian. I prefer to keep those in dev and think, which I think is honestly better at it. Yeah, I, I think it is too. Uh, I think that your idea of, hey, if you just need like a quick sc screenshot or something, uh, I think that probably makes uh, more sense. But yeah, I, I don't see this as a tool that I would want to use for, you know, in-process documents. Uh, there's better places in my computing life for those to be. Yeah. Like an example of a use for it is like I, I have notes for home maintenance and we've got this um, strange yellow color in one of our rooms and I have the paint formula and I have the, a picture of the paint can. Top. Perfect. You know, if I ever have to go back and get some more paint, you know, that I'll put in obsidian, but you know, a PDF explaining the finer points of some area of law is definitely not going to be an obsidian for me. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. This episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move and enter offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. 
Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. I was recently talking to a friend that wants to set up a website, and he was asking me about someone I'd refer to him, and he was ready to spend thousands of dollars to set up his website, and I think he had just kind of lost track of the web, because you no longer need to spend thousands of dollars to set up a beautiful website for your business. You can set it up yourself with Squarespace, and best of all, with Squarespace, once you get it set up, you can manage it yourself as well. I have turned so many friends on to Squarespace over the years, and they all have been very happy with it. I love it so much that I use it with Max Sparky and even Sparks Law. My, both of my businesses are based on Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you set up a website to do just about anything. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it all covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. So you can attach the domain name to your website right at Squarespace. You don't have to go to any other vendors. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. That's right, just $12. But you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash MPU. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for the Mac Power users. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU and the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Uh, but yeah, so the attachments are there. And and what you know, one of the things about Obsidian really is this idea of plug-in for features. Um the developers very early took on the idea that we're going to make this core app and then we will add features via plugins. And they kept the API to themselves at the beginning and they added a ton of features themselves through developer plugins, but eventually they opened it up and published the API. So there's really two categories of plugins in Obsidian when you start installing it that you can turn off or on. There's the ones developers have, which they call core plugins, and then there's the third-party ones, which are, frankly, exploding right now. Every time I go in there, there's three or four new ones. So any feature that someone wants, if uh, someone is a good JavaScript programmer, they can probably add on if they want. And they make all of this very easy. It, it installs right from the settings in the app. You don't have to go to, like, GitHub and, like, do any kind of weird <laughs> right. nonsense. Yeah, and... Uh, even the the core plugins, like things like the page preview or daily notes or templates, you can turn those on and off. So if you don't want to use templates and you don't want to like run across the feature accidentally, you can just turn it off and it's not part of your Obsidian setup anymore. And so that idea of core plugins, like having really deep functionality, but siphoned off or siloed off into different combinations people can use depending on what they need. I find that really interesting from the software yeah. development perspective. I can't think of another app that I've used that does it this deeply. I mean, there's I'm looking right now, like in core plugins, there's one for word count. And some people don't want that. Some people do. And so you can just turn it on or off where, you know, almost any other application you're stuck with however the developer decided it should be done. Yeah. 
uh, it gives the user a lot of freedom. Yeah. Like there's, there's one for an audio recorder where you can record audio file into your library. Well, I do not want big audio files in my obsidian library, you know? So that I've never turned that on, but I, I guess in there, if you want it, maybe I guess if you were a student and you wanted to record a lecture, um, you, you know, you could, you could put it in there and save it, but I don't want that. Um, the daily note thing I talked about earlier, I've kind of gone hot and cold on that. At one point I thought daily notes were more trouble than they were worth. But then once we got into end encryption, they became useful to me. So I had, at one point I had daily notes turned off, but then I turned it back on when they, when they added the encryption. So uh, like there's another one, um, it's just a starred preference. So you can star any note and then you can have a separate index just of starred notes. So if you just want to have, you know, the 10 key notes to get to, then you can, you can do that. There's an excellent YouTuber, um, uh, Nick Milo, who has a linking your thinking website on YouTube. We'll put a link in the show notes and he's done a really good job of kind of teaching obsidian to folks. So I would recommend his, and he does this thing called maps of content where he makes like index pages and then uses those links to jump around and, you know, using these plugins, it's not that hard to enable something like that. Yeah, it's it's the the flexibility is is almost unparalleled, and I, I think that's really cool. Again, for an app that's so young, to have built this out in a way that makes it uh, really flexible, and it means that you can have like the exact tool set that you need, and that may that may be different, really different from mine. I'm not even sure that the developers would say that it is officially released at this point. <laughs> honestly, I, I'm not really sure. Cause at one point, cause I've, I've corresponded with them. And the one point they said, well, when we get this many features, we're going to call it, you know, 1.0, but they really haven't done that yet. Like, you know, so I don't know where they stand on it, but it, it is fully functional. And then you get into the community plugins and that is like bananas. There are so many community plugins. Have you played with any of them, Steven? Uh, I have not. So I'm curious to see what has been useful for you. Yeah. Um, well, I, I have used some, but not nearly all of them. There are, there are so many and there are so many niche problems being, so like there's, there's a plugin called Markdown Prettifier. Like, like people didn't like the way the Markdown looks. So they wrote a plugin to make it look prettier. You know, I mean, I don't need that. I'm okay. Markdown is Markdown, but, yeah. the, um, <laughs> but there, there are a lot. And I guess the first word of caution is, I mean, these are not made by the developers. These are made by third parties. So you have to be careful. I mean, you don't want to attach something to your your library that could compromise you for security. And I think the developers are very quick to tell you, hey, we're not responsible for this stuff. But it's a very active community. And if you look at, you can sort the third-party plugins by downloads. And the ones that have been downloaded, you know, th- many thousands of times, are, I think are, you, can, you can probably trust. Um, the ones that I use, my favorite one is just called sliding panes. And what it does is if you have more than one note available, it puts the title down the left side. And um, I'll show you this Stephen later. We're going to screen share each other uh, in one segment of the show, but, but it puts the title down the left side and allows you to have multiple panes open. So it's almost like having, you know, pages or index cards on your desk that you can shuffle through. And I find that very useful as I'm working through the library. A very simple plugin, but it, it does something very useful. There's a calendar one that adds a calendar to your database. So you can go to specific daily notes or create new notes in the future. If you want to turn this into your task system, that's something you'd want. So you can 
you know, write a task into someday in the future. There's a cool one that does a mind map. So, you know, you can write basically an outline format in this if you want, and then that will convert it to an, a mind map. I installed that and it looks really nice, but it doesn't really do anything for me. I My Node is a better mind mapping app than, than Obsidian. Yeah. Um, I use the minimal theme, but there is actually a, a third-party plugin that gives you additional features with the minimal theme. So if you run the minimal theme and you get the minimal theme plugin, you can change the way it looks. It gives you some, some control over the CSS, That's which cool. I think is kind of cool. You know? Yeah. Um, so there, there, there's a whole bunch of them and, you know, you know, be, you know, be careful, look into them, make sure you know, there's a few developers there that are just very enthusiastic supporters and you get to know those developers. Those are the ones you, you trust. And, um, and it's just, there's a never ending list of these. I just got a text message from Mike Schmitz over the weekend. There's some new plugin. I don't even know which one it is yet. I have to get on the phone with him that he is charting his daily, like, um, you know, task, like how did he do as a dad? He tra- tracks that with a chart that was created with a plugin and is now run through Obsidian with just a plain hmm. text file. So, you know, there's just like so many things you can do with this stuff. And, um, and there's just no shortage of new features. Like there, there is a better word count, which will give you the word count of just your selection as opposed to the whole note. There's a plugin that will tell you how long it would take to read the words on your page. So whatever features you're looking for, there's a good chance it's already in there. Pretty fantastic. And it's, it goes to what you said earlier about the community, right? So many of these, like looking through the forum, looking through their discord, so many of these plugins came from people talking about, Hey, I wish I could do this, or I want to be able to change that and building them in a way where people have input. It's just, it's a really cool thing. Really cool. And some of them are very simple. And some of them can get very complex. Like there's a daily planning plugin that can create a Gantt chart of your day and do a whole <laughs> bunch of cool stuff. And and I look at that and it feels fiddly to me. And to me, I think the best plugins are the simple ones that just add a little simple feature that you need and, and you know, get back to the idea that this is still just a markdown file. Don't go too crazy. And an underlying thought for me with all of this stuff is as great as a tool like this is, and once you really get backlinks, you're going to be tempted to want to do everything in an app like this. I think you have to recognize what they're good at and what they're bad at. And and remember that there are other apps that do other things, you know, frankly, better. Um, like task management is the one that everybody hooks onto. They get an app like this. And they're like, well, I want to do all my task management there. And, and I know people who are doing that, but I could never do it. My task management system has too many pieces to it. And I have too many responsibilities. I want all the power tools I get with something like OmniFocus. But if you have, you know, three items a day, you're tracking as tasks, you could probably do it in something like Obsidian. So you just got to find that balance between simplicity and complexity that works for you. Yeah. I I think one uh, application that is, uh, I think rightfully so in, in some regards, in the same conversation as Obsidian is drafts, right? You're working with text, you have lots of tools, Round text, things you can do with it. How do you see the two interacting? Yeah, see, tra- drafts to me is like a key player on Team X, Sparky, you know, because it has always been and seemingly always will be the place where text starts for me, you know, to, to borrow the phrase, because you open drafts and you start typing. 
And then Drafts has um, all these tools in it where you can do things with it. And Drafts, like Obsidian, is another app developed by a small team. In the case of Drafts, it's just one person. But it's one person being obsessive about giving it every feature. In fact, there are third-party plugins for Drafts that can allow you to add backlinks. I don't find it as useful for that kind of stuff. I think Obsidian is better for the the long-term storage and connection stuff because it's really built for that. But creating text in drafts, you know, is to me the starting place. And, you know, we talked about how the Obsidian app is, is a unique app, you know, kind of odd in the way it fits on mobile, where drafts is a very, very much a, uh, you know, a team player. It follows traditional Mac and iPad and iOS guidelines, and you can make the text there. I talked about earlier how I can't dictate into Obsidian because of the text engine with the Electron app. I write text on my Mac, iPhone, and iPad in drafts. But then drafts has this whole action thing where I can push a button and it just drops the text into Obsidian and then I can work on it from there. So drafts to me is like a component of Obsidian more than a competitor. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And and because Obsidian is just Markdown, I mean, you you could substitute drafts with almost anything starting text-wise and then move it into Obsidian later. I mean, you could start in, you know, BB Edit or whatever and then save it to your yeah. vault. Uh, it's sort of agnostic about where it comes from. Yeah, but the advantage for drafts is I can create an action that then exports the text as a markdown file into the Obsidian vault. Yeah. And I can even, using tags, I can tell it which vault or which part of the vault or which folder to put it in. So it's a drafts is a very good companion to it. Like, um, and, and the parts where obsidian falls down with, you know, um, you know, not being a native app drafts kind of makes up for that. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You mentioned Devon think earlier. I know you're using Devon think as a repository for a lot of, a lot of files and Devon think has this great feature where you can have a link to, uh, the the file or note or whatever it is in Dev and Think and get to it elsewhere. So I guess you're tying those together with those links. Yeah, I mean, I have this like you know we did a whole show on contextual computing, but yep. I, I really have this beautiful ecosystem that I have kind of stumbled into over the last couple of years, where between drafts, Dev and Think, Obsidian, and OmniFocus, like everything ties together, and I've created like this super app. For me, you know, it's like got all the task management power of OmniFocus, all the linking power of Obsidian, all the text processing power of Drafts, and all the file management and AI of DevonThink. And everything is glued together with all these great URL links that all these apps support. And it feels honestly like one app to me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how else to put it. And I know people are rolling their eyes saying Sparky's made it too complex, but what I've made is an app that does exactly what I want with the tools I need. Yeah. And um, I really need to explain this further. I don't know if it's a future field guide or what, but it's just like I am in a better place now than I've ever been with tracking data and ideas and just the whole infrastructure. I mean, I mean, two years ago I realized that one of my problems was I didn't have a good handle on everything and with somebody who has a law practice and podcasts and books and everything, I needed a better handle on how everything ties together. Mm-hmm. And I started kind of down this journey. And I feel like right now, I really feel like I've got it managed. That's great, man. 
I feel like in a way, this episode is is sort of uh, another chapter in that contextual computing episode <laughs> where we continue yeah. to talk about how to bring these bring these tools together. And links are such a great way to do it because they're universal. And, you know, in the past, trying to do something like this, you'd probably would just have to pick one app that does one of the elements pretty well and maybe had some of the other elements bolted onto it, but you've been able to stitch them together because you can click on a PDF in Dev and Think, grab the URL, put it into a note in Obsidian, and next time you need it, it's just a tap away. Like, that is seriously powerful. Yeah, like, for instance, with my client transactions, like if you hired me to negotiate a contract for you, there'd be a, a markdown note that would have links to, like, you and your company but there'd also be a, a a markdown link directly to the specific OmniFocus project that I'm managing for this transaction. And it would also link back from OmniFocus. And then there'd be, I also have a group of links I call file, key files and folders. So I've got a link to the specific folder in DevonThink where I've got the project. And then I have individual links to every version of the contract with my comments and thoughts on them. Because one of the problems with when you negotiate something is you get like six versions of it and you're not sure, well, what does this version do? And so I can put in an obsidian, I can say, this is the version I made after talking to the client about solving this key problem, you know, and this is the next, the next one is the version I sent to the other lawyer for his review. You know, so I can, all that data is stored in there. Plus, with backlinks, I can see which days I worked on it, you know? So it's just crazy. And so I'm jumping between DevonThink, Obsidian, and OmniFocus, and I'm writing in drafts all day. So uh, I don't know. It, it is really, um, it's it's quite an engine to behold once you kind of get <laughs> your mind wrapped around it. But but I am, like, so on top of things with it because, you know, the other lawyer says, well, hey, I didn't say that. I'm like, I actually... On February 7th, you told me that you would agree to this, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about craft for a second in terms of uh, comparing it to Obsidian. I think yeah. there, I think if you had like these applications on a spectrum, Notion is on one end, Obsidian's at the other, and craft is somewhere in the middle where it does a lot of Notion-like things as you can do layouts and, you know, have images and all this stuff. But it also is um, like Obsidian, where you can do a bunch of stuff just with Markdown, and it is powerful and quickly evolving, just like Obsidian. Both of these applications have seen uh, a lot of dedicated development over the last you know year or so. Um, Craft definitely is a, n- a native application. You know, it's only on the Mac, iPhone, and iPad, where Obsidian basically runs everywhere because it is Electron. And I think that was just a choice made by the development teams about what, where they wanted to start. But they are they are similar, but I think Obsidian, where it pulls ahead, is all of the the really smart stuff around linking your notes. And again, you can do some of that in Craft, but Obsidian really focuses on it much more. I don't want to understate that. Uh, Craft does have backlinks, so it gets you that same you know, key glue to jump back and forth between them. It's prettier. Yeah. Certainly prettier. Um, I think it is way more iPad and iPhone friendly, even though I'm impressed with it, with Obsidian's done. It's clearly 
not the primary focus of the team. Whereas I feel like on craft, it's more of an iPad focus than it is a Mac focus. You know, like the Mac version feels like the iPad app. Whereas on Obsidian, the iPad app feels like the Mac app. If that makes sense. Sure. So, so if you are a primary mobile user, craft may be the right answer for you. I actually, in this kind of journey, I spent a month using craft exclusively and let me tell you what a pain it was to like fix my notes afterwards when I decided. Because yeah, I, I started it thinking, well, maybe I'll end up sticking with craft permanently. I don't know. But um, it, it it is, you know, more user friendly. The idea of native apps was very attractive to me. And they just keep adding features, you know, tags and folding notes and doing a lot of cool stuff like Obsidian. But ultimately, um, I wanted to use it for legal stuff. And end-to-end encryption is a, you know, that's a key thing for me and i i talked with the craft developer he said well we haven't written it off we're probably gonna do it at some point but we're not you know it's not in the immediate future for us because they've got a lot of other stuff they do i mean craft one of the things craft does is it makes beautiful web pages so mm-hmm. if you want to like share data um it does that really well so I, I would recommend if you're interested in this and craft sounds interesting based on what we're explaining spend some time with it because that may be the right app for you on this stuff craft also does uh deep links so you can link to not only a note, you can link to a specific line on a note. Yep. You can do the same thing in Obsidian. It's not quite as elegant in Obsidian, but you can do that. Like like the easiest way is you can link to specific headings, markdown headings within notes. So all that stuff is there. I'll tell you, I don't do that that often because I kind of err in the favor of making short notes and then rather than having really long notes with links embedded in them. But I think Craft is kind of a competitor, but also just an alternative take on this, which, and it's going to be very clear to you if you use both of them for a few weeks, which one fits better for you. And there really is no right or wrong answer. I mean, you you may just like, you you may jive better with Obsidian. Like I know the guys over at Mac stories are crazy about craft, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, because I think they're largely mobile platform stuff and that would make more sense. Whereas Obsidian really is, is more, I think Mac friendly. Yeah. Well, it's part of the embarrassment of riches we have now in this category that you can choose between a bunch of apps that are all really good, but all different from each other. Yeah. And, and, you know, craft doesn't have the open plugin system, so you don't get third-party plugins. They, you're depending on the developer to make the features, but that may be an advantage if you look at it from, you know, a certain point of view. The other one, the one that really got me started on this journey was Rome research was where I really kind of saw the light about backlinking. And Rome, there's a lot to like about it. I know we have a lot of listeners that are heavily invested in Rome. I initially thought that might be the answer for me, but the thing that really chased me out of Rome was I didn't really understand the development cycle. They aren't that transparent, and the stuff that I wanted wasn't showing up. I wrote a note in the Rome, Rome in the Rome forum. I don't know. I think it's like ten months ago now, saying, "Hey, are you guys going to get into encryption?" Or at least, are you going to have two-factor authentication, you know? And so the way Rome works is you don't have a folder of Markdown files on your Mac. You have all your data on their server. And that's scary, right? You know, I mean, I guess it depends what you're storing there. But, you know, I I don't want to store legal stuff on their server. No. That's for sure. And um, And they didn't, as far as I know, they still don't have two-factor authentication. So if someone gets your password and your username, they're in. They got the whole works, you know? And I wrote that 
that that forum comment, and I still get email notifications of people, you know, piling on that comment saying, "Yeah, what's going on with this?" You know, so I think they still haven't fixed that. But um, but Rome has got a lot of web based power tools that you can't get with other apps because these other apps are not based on the web. So you've got to kind of take a look at it. But I think you go into Rome with that that understanding of the security model. If you're okay with it, Rome may be the answer for you. Like there's a lot of professors and academics who love Rome because of the open nature of it. And, you know, they're writing papers and they're not necessarily that worried about security. And it, it that's, that's a great solution for them. Yeah. Again, <laughs> the embarrassment of riches. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I agree with you on the things that turn you off to Rome. I, I feel the same way where I want that stuff local and I want it to be encrypted. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Indeed. AI can do some incredible things, but for most jobs in your company, you need a good old-fashioned carbon-based life form. Preferably a brilliant one, and preferably as soon as possible. If you're looking for great minds that move the world, you can hire them with Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster and only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications. Then schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, you get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately. And Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skill tests or add your own, and then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all the other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash MPU and get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash MPU. Indeed.com slash MPU. Offers valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of the show. I thought it'd be fun to kind of end the show. I know we're not sharing this with the audience, but uh, just to kind of take a look at our our libraries together, our vaults together, so we can kind of ask each other questions and explain some things further about how we're using it. You want to do that? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, okay. So I'm looking at Steven's library. He's got some folders set up. He's got, um, yeah, it looks like kind of an Apple Notes evolution to me. Yeah, and that's really all this is at this point is me just bringing in some stuff from Apple Notes. Um, I have it open to my podcast folder where I have, you know, notes from a couple of different shows. And as I work on things, I, you know, often in my shows, we're working ahead of schedule and things that, you know, just ideas I have or things I want to keep up with. Um, and so right now there's, you know, several notes for Connected, a couple for MPU, et cetera. And so that's, I think, the next step for me is to set up and use linking between these various bits of information for the same show. In Apple Notes, the way I did that was having the show name be in the title of the note and have it first. So it's sorted that way. But that 
there's so much more powerful ways to do it in Obsidian. Like, I, I still need to make that step right now. If you look at this, it is very much a uh, this is a uh, Apple Note sort of setup. Yeah, but you're only like a week into it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I said about two weeks ago, but then I went on vacation, so so really about a yeah. a, wor- uh, a single working week. Yeah, and so what are your thoughts a weekend? Are you feeling resistant, or do you like it more? Uh, I like it. Uh, what I'm not sure about, and again, I haven't spent a lot of time in this in this part of it, is I actually don't feel like I have a lot of notes in the same way that that you do that benefit from the interlinking. You know, I don't have sure. a lot of sort of discrete little bits of of information. There's some of that in my notes, but there's not. There's not a lot of it, and maybe that's because I haven't used a tool like this before, and so I'm just more prone to have you know longer notes that contain a lot of information. So, like for instance, we're looking at a note about Relay FM's St. Jude fundraising, and there's a section for 2018, a section for 2019, and a section for 2020. And that's because in Apple Notes, it just made sense to have all that as one big document. But if I want to go further and break that down into smaller chunks that are more easily managed. I feel like Obsidian would really help me with that. It's just, that's not the way I've worked before. So I'm not sure if that's the way that I want to work. Yeah. And like, I could see like with the fundraising project, you could create links around key people, maybe segment titles, and you could get very granular with it in a way that would actually benefit you and yours going forward, you know, to say like, give me a, list of everybody that worked on last year's fundraiser. And then I can kind of work out from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sort of thing, you know, looking for the nouns, like I think that's such a good piece of advice when starting out in a system like this, because that's really, I think for most people, how these things will be tied together. I also think if you're starting out with one of these things, starting out kind of like from scratch and just start building it slowly is probably the best way to go. Yeah. Um, I I did import a lot of notes because I'd been playing with other apps that were similar and I kind of wanted to get this thing running for me as quickly as possible. But I think the better advice would be, you know, just start building it on one topic and make some links and just see how it goes, you know. Yeah. Kind of get get familiar with the app before you kind of go all in. You don't want it to become a project of setting it up. You just kind of want to have it something that organically grows. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'll show you mine. Uh, it is uh, a little more complex. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the idea of what I call Sparky OS. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is like my, rather than external brand, I think in terms of like my personal operating system, and this carries a lot of it. So that's what I named my vault. But, and I even have APIs in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I have ideas about, health, philosophy, and religion process, you know, I'm going to know here in Gaul's law, you know, so I've got different stuff going on. And as I learn things, as I go through life through experience or a book or something, I capture it in my APIs or the Sparky OS. And that's a whole like thing, you know, um, I noticed you weren't really using the daily notes, but I've been using it, um, since I believe last October. Yeah. And so I've got daily notes for most days and like, I'm showing you my today's daily note and, the way it works is I have really three questions each morning. And this is something that I historically did in day one, but I now do in Obsidian. Um, every day I wake up and say, what's my priority today? You know, what's the one thing I want to to get done before I go to bed? 
And today, my daily priority is two podcasts because I've got two podcasts today. And then I, I think of something I'm grateful for every day when I get started. It's just a good way to kind of set the tone. And I try to do something different. I try not to use like, I don't want to say the dog every day, right? right. You know I mean, you, you want to come up with something different every day. So, mm-hmm. so I, I come up with something every day and it's kind of a fun exercise to think of something else I'm grateful for that I haven't written down yet. I've been doing this for years. And then I, I do a daily meditation, which is usually something I pull out of my Readwise database, something I've read in a book that I thought was useful that I just want to kind of reflect upon as I get through the day. So, I mean, you could do it with a prayer or whatever, but those are the three things I do in the morning. And then the daily page is just a daily log. And I've broken my life down into roles. If you listen to uh, Focus, you, you've heard all this before. But like I break, to me, the primary unit of my life is a role. You know, husband, father, Max Barkey, lawyer, whatever. And I just log the stuff I did in each role during the day. And then I can go back and look at it later and kind of keep track. And uh, I'm, I'm exposing to Stephen how anal retentive I am <laughs> right now. That's what I'm doing. I have one called Inbox where I, I put ideas that I haven't processed yet, you know, just thoughts I have. Mm-hmm. Then for Max Sparky, I have folders for, um, you know, I have one for Apple events where I've got notes from Apple events and I've got one for blog posts. And I kind of use it as a Kanban board. I've got blog ideas and cooking and written blog posts, but it's all stored there. You can write, you know, in this app because it's a Markdown app. Yeah. Yeah. I just paste it into your CMS. Yeah, exactly. And then I've got all these different things. You know, I have, I have them for field guides, like whatever field guide I'm working on, I've got a bunch of notes on it. And then I even keep one group of things for hardware. I keep a note on all of my Apple hardware with, you know, the the serial number. And if I have to call Apple Care or whatever, I've got a, a log of what I've done with the device. Yep, I've got a section in Apple Notes just for that. I bet yours would be longer than mine. <laughs> it's out of control. Just guessing. <laughs> yeah. You know, or even like ideas for future YouTube videos. I'm, you know, I'm in a mind, my mastermind group. I've got notes for that. So, so I've got stuff, you know, Max Barkey based and I've got um, one called people. And that's where I keep all the notes. Like when I have an individual note on someone like Steven, it's in there with the CRM stuff if I need it. And I, I broke that down by like clients, family, friends, different, you know, different things mm-hmm. like that. And, um, then I have one called a uh, personal where I just kind of keep all the like stuff because this is all encrypted. I keep notes for when I talk to the doctor or if I'm planning a future trip or whatever, I can keep it in there. So this serves kind of a role that Apple notes might've historically served, but it's an encrypted link database now. Okay. Um, plan and review is where I, I, I keep, um, I try to, on a weekly basis, look at how I did and what I want to do. And I have different forms that I use templates for it. And I do it on a weekly, monthly, and quarterly basis. And I write that stuff down in Obsidian. Uh, Resources is where I keep notes on anything that is of relevance. Like if I watch a YouTube video that I learn a bunch of stuff from, I'll put a link on it in Obsidian and my notes from it. Again, I am like telling the whole audience what a nerd I am here. Um, (laughs) One of the things I didn't talk about in the show is that you can use iframes in Obsidian, which allows you to embed things like YouTube pages. And and I have a nice little keyboard, uh, a a text expander snippet where I just copy the link and I embed it in an iframe. Oh, nice. And, And Obsidian keeps getting more and more iframe support. So like some very advanced web pages can be embedded in a, you are on a markdown page using an iframe, but that's cool. There's a whole discussion on that in the forum. 
if you want to get into that. Um, like I have, I have a note called the Greeks, all the stuff I've been, I've been reading a lot of Greeks lately. Okay. Yeah. I see the Greeks you know, so, and the Romans. So, you know, you've got yeah, some. Well, you know, they're, they're a little different. Yeah. You, know, you got some ancient history similar. going on there. Yeah. Um, the roles is like what I was talking about earlier about how everything to me breaks down to a role. And that's like a common theme through my whole system. Like even in Instapaper, I have folders broken up by articles that are interesting for me as a father versus me as a Max Barkey. Okay. Uh, um, and then, um, then I have a set of um, a, a set of them, a whole thing built on Max Sparky. I'm, I'm Sparks. I can't really show you sure. any of the contents yeah. of those, but but not only do I have all the notes on transactions, like I can show you, like I have plain text, sample text for contract provisions I may want to write or whatever. Okay. I've got all that stored in here, and it's all linkable. And then I've got the templates I talked about during the show, where I've got so many templates. Like here's the MPU episode template. It puts in the title of the show, the show details, the guest name. So now if I type in a link for, you know, Shelly Brisbane, it will show up the MPU show that she guested on in the library. Very cool. Uh, So it's just really, you know, useful to have that built out. And and I've got it open all day. It's an Electron app, but it doesn't seem to to drive a lot of resources. Yeah. I've got um, something like 1,500 notes in it now. And it seems to be handling everything just fine. It's really cool. That is uh, yeah. that is really neat to see. And I think that uh, seeing the way you can build those things together is helpful. Yeah. I mean, the real trick to it, I think, is not only the linking between notes, but the URL linking outside of the library and the URL linking into the library. So, like, if you have a specific note you're working on in Obsidian, you can put a link to that somewhere else on your Mac, you know, they have a command. Like I said, I made a keyboard shortcut command. U just copies it for me. Mm-hmm. So you can paste it into your task manager of choice, or you can put it into an email or whatever and get back to that. Yeah. Although an email isn't really a good use because the other person wouldn't have yeah, it. Yeah. Some, someplace else in your personal system. Yeah. Well, Devin think is, is a place I put them mm-hmm. to. So like, so like there's a, there's like a triangle of links between DevonThink, OmniFocus, and Obsidian, and they all like tie together. Very cool. Very cool stuff. Yeah. It, it is. Um, it's really interesting for me. I, I, As I've said many times on the show, I love it when a new technology kind of explodes to make uh, productivity and, and um, you know, useful use of your technology better. And I really think this, you know, and backlinks have been around a long time, but it's just like in the last year that this has really blown up with these apps getting these features that let you really dig in deep on this stuff. And I think in, you know, five years, this is going to be something everybody uses. Um, us Mac power users are going to get in early on it because, you know, we're we're tied into the cool stuff. But this is so useful. I can't imagine that this isn't going to continue to evolve. And my guess is there are going to be even more tools. You know, it seems like now that I've talked about this on the blog and the podcast, I get emails. It seems like at least once a week from somebody developing a new app that does this. Yeah. So, you know, who knows what's going to be out there in a few years, but for now, the, um, the thing that makes obsidian really hum for me is just the, uh, that fundamental idea. This is a folder full of markdown files on my system and obsidian does all the magic on top of that. I think that having, you know, uh, trying to think about why this has blown up over the last year or so, I think a lot of it is that people are doing different types of work or doing work in different contexts that they were maybe a year ago before the pandemic. 
and they need a way to to organize this stuff that is uh, a bit more flexible and not so reliant on maybe a system that they don't have access to if they're not in the office. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I can't help but think the that 2020 has only been good for these types of applications. Yeah, there, there's a great Thelonious Monk song called Ugly Beauty. And um, that is Obsidian. I mean, <laughs> it, it's not like a real pretty Mac app, but it's an ugly beauty. The Obsidian developers are going to get mad at me for saying that, I think. But <laughs> They'll be okay. I mean it in the best of ways. <laughs> well, I think that does it. I feel like we have we have done our dive. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, if you're using Obsidian, uh, we've got a forum. You can sound off in there. Uh, let us know how you're using it. I'd love to hear from users. We have a feedback show coming up. I'd, I'd love to hear if other users are using this, or maybe you tried it and it didn't work for you and something else did. Let us know. You know, We're here not just to talk about Obsidian. And um, Also, if you're interested in Obsidian, we're going to put links in the show notes, but I, I strongly recommend not only checking out the MPU forums, but also the Obsidian forums. It is a nice, friendly place. I've never seen abuse going on on their forums, and um, it's just a lot of people trying to get better at using this amazing app. All right. Thanks to our sponsors today. That's our friends over at 1Password, Privacy, Squarespace, and Indeed. We are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. I miss anything, Stephen? Uh, I just want to tell people about uh, another show here on Relay real quick, and that is Rocket. Uh, Rocket is a technology news show uh, hosted by three friends of ours, uh, Brianna, Simone, and Christina. It is hilarious. It's you know tech news plus a lot of great humor. Uh, they cover Apple, Google, all the big companies. They also talk about you know some of the weirder stuff in tech. It's a fantastic show. You can check it out at relay.fm/slash/rocket. Two thumbs up for Rocket. Yes, Go check it out. We'll see you next week.